I want to take a moment to um, kind of brag a little bit about our treasure seekers, uh, some who were just up here. Our treasure seekers are our second through fifth grade students, and they come together on Wednesday nights, uh, about 20 of them. And uh, when they come together, they, they sing songs, and they uh, do crafts, and they play games, and then they engage with the scripture. And uh, I'm amazed from week to week uh, how sharp they are in remembering the scripture. Like, we'll, we'll uh, talk about the story that was told the previous week, and duck on it, they know the answers. And, and I guess what amazes me is that sometimes, honestly, it doesn't seem like they're paying attention. <laughs> and yet, they're able to spit back all of this, this information that, uh, that we've talked about. I, I'm really quite blown away by it. Uh, someone once said, and, and I love this, they said, if you want to change the world, and I do, if you want to change the world, work with children. There is so much incredible power in planting the seed of God's living word in the fertile soil of a child's mind and a child's heart. There's a ripple effect for the rest of that child's life, I believe, when the word of God gets planted deep in that fertile soil. God says, my word is alive. It's living and it's active. Once planted in the, the soil of our heart and our mind, it begins to do its thing. It begins to go to work. This is true for children. And it's true for adults. Now, our, it's true our minds are, are not as elastic as they once were, and they're getting less elastic with every passing year. But what's also is true is that, that our minds are still quite uh, amazing. So when I was in college, I was part of a, a collegiate ministry that um, really valued memorizing scripture. And so for about a three or four year period in my life, I was part of this community that we uh, memorized a lot of scripture. It was just one of the practices that we had in following Christ. And, and I can honestly say that uh, over the course of my life, uh, that has had a greater impact than any other practice that I've taken on uh, as a Christian. Scripture memorization. It is not easy. Uh, and it gets less easy as we go. But because it's not easy, that's exactly why it's so powerful. There's only one way to, to memorize Scripture, and that is through repetition. It's about, you've got to think about it over and over and over again. You've got to do what the psalmist says, meditate on it day and night. And the psalmist in Psalm 1 says that if you do that, if you meditate on God's word day and night, you're going to be like a tree, which is planted by a stream. And that's, that tree, your fruit will never leave you, and your leaves will, will never wither. But that only comes through this practice of, of meditating on God's word day and night. So scripture memory, if we're going to take it on, it's going to force us to think about it a lot. The way we did it, we'd write it on a, an index card, and then we'd study it, and then I'd turn it away, and I'd try and say it, and then I'd get tripped up, and I'd look back where I got tripped up, and I'd do that a hundred times. 
and, and going to bed at night, I'd just run it through my mind, and waking up in the morning, I'd run it through my mind, and driving the car, I'd run it through my mind, meditating on day and night until it is word perfect, until it like, just becomes part of you. So recently I was doing that. I've got a, um, just a little container of those index cards over 30 years of my life, and I was reviewing them because they will take flight even after they're long memorized. And I noticed uh, a number of the verses that I have memorized have this citation, 316. It's this, the same citation, 316. And of course, we know one of those verses, uh, John 316. But there, there's a lot of great verses in the New Testament that uh, have that citation, 316. And so I was thinking, you know what? We need to do a sermon series. We're going to call it 316, and together we're going to memorize five verses. Uh, part of the hard work is already done. You don't need to remember the citation because it's all going to be 316. We're going to do, uh, today we're going to do Colossians 316. We're going to do uh, next week, 2 Timothy 3.16. We're going to do John 3.16. Maybe you'll, you'll have that one already so you can take a break for a week. We'll have 1 John 3.16, and we'll do 2 Corinthians 3.16. These are our great verses. Uh, and that, that graphic, uh, that actually is from a book that Max Licato wrote. He calls them the numbers of hope. And uh, I emailed my buddy Max this week. I said, Max, that's a great graphic. I'd love to use it. And he emailed back, Scott, we'd be happy for you to use it. So me and Max, we're, we're tight. <laughs> and uh, I'm so grateful that they've allowed us to use their, their graphic. Hopefully you have a card. Uh, if you don't have a card, pick one up on your way out. I've got 500 of them, so by the time this sermon series is done, you're going to have several cards. That card is for you to put in your bathroom mirror and put on your refrigerator and put in your car and, and uh, hopefully when we're done, your house is going to have four or five cards uh, throughout it to help you uh, just meditate on the word day and night. So as we prepare to uh, launch the sermon series and begin with Colossians today, join me as we pray. Uh, Lord, you do tell us that your word is living and active. And so we ask you to penetrate our mind, penetrate our heart with your living word, and, and we pray that it would act, not so that we can be uh, more informed, not so that we can uh, win a trivia contest, uh, but so that we might be transformed, we might be changed by the power of your word. And I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing uh, and acceptable to you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, so the verse we're going to memorize is Colossians 3.16. It's the second one down on your card. And it says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart's to God. Since you all have a card, let's say this together. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So we're going to be zooming in on this one verse, but before we zoom in, I want to zoom out uh, on the book of Colossians. 
because it's really helpful for us to, to know the context of where this verse is coming from. And so uh, Paul is a prisoner in Rome. He's under house arrest. And he's able to receive uh, visitors. And one of those visitors is a man named Epaphras. So Epaphras comes to visit uh, Paul under house arrest. Epaphras is likely a convert uh, that came to Christ through Paul's ministry, probably in the city of Ephesus. And then Epaphras went back to his hometown, which was Colossae, and he planted a church. So this, this man who becomes a Christian under uh, Paul's influence goes back, takes the gospel with him back home, and he plants a church. This, by the way, is how the church grows. It is always how the church has grown. In the first century, in the 21st century, the church grows as believers plant churches. Now, we live in a day where, where really we think about church growth as each individual church just trying to get larger and larger and larger, and certainly that's one of the ways the church grows. But that should never be the way. It should never supplant church planting. Uh, we live at a time where the population just continues to climb, and here in the United States, we are closing more churches a year than we are giving birth to. The, the need to plant churches is, is, is sharp, it is stark, and so we need to be planting churches. So Epaphras takes the gospel, goes back to Colossae, and plants a church. He hears that Paul's in prison in Rome. He goes to visit Paul, and as they're talking, undoubtedly, Paul asks the question, so how's it going? How's it going in, in Colossae, this church planting thing? It can be, it can be rough. And so the conversation probably sounded, maybe sounded, something like this. How's it going? Church planting, it's not for the faint of heart. To which Epaphras responds, actually, Paul, it's going really well. I mean, it's going great. The church is, is growing. People are coming to Christ. They're coming to faith. The, the church is doing a good job of, of loving one another. Lots of really good things going on. But yeah, there, there are some concerns. There's some things that are, are troubling, and Paul leans in, what's that? What, what are your concerns? Well, I still don't think everybody has a really good understanding of who Jesus is. Like, some people don't understand that, that he really was one of us, that he was a human being, and some people don't understand that he really was fully God, both fully man and, and fully God, and Paul probably nods, ah, yeah, that's, that's a problem. We've got to get that right. If we get that wrong, we get, we get everything wrong. And there's some people, Epaphras says, who seem to think that Jesus isn't enough. Like, in order to make God happy, I've got to do more than just have this relationship through, with Jesus. I've got to, some people are, they're fasting, like, all the time. And they're doing all of these different festivals and celebrations and Sabbaths because they're thinking that this, this makes God happy, that they have to do that, and if they don't do that, God won't be happy. And there's some people who are going the opposite direction. They think that everything, the only thing that matters is the spirit. And so anything we do with our physical flesh really doesn't matter. And so they're doing all kinds of crazy things all kinds of perverted, crazy, off-the-wall things and thinking that, that it really doesn't matter. Some people are really into visions. Like, it seems like they want to, 
to live with the angels. They're always talking about the angels. So he talks about this, and I imagine Paul saying, yeah, I'm familiar with this. I've seen this in some of my other churches. Do you think it would be helpful if I wrote a letter? That would be great, Paul. And so he writes a letter to the Colossians. And in his letter, he commends the church for doing the things that they're doing well. He gives some teaching about who Jesus is. This is the heart of the letter. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, fully God, fully man. And then he goes on to give some instruction to the church. And the verse that we're memorizing is part of that instruction. This instruction is to help the church stay grounded, stay anchored in the truth. Don't stray into all these false teachings. And so as part of that instruction, he says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So I've been working on, on memorizing that uh, again. And one of the things about memorization is it really forces you to focus on each word Especially, we're going for word perfect, not just kind of a, a general sense of the verse, but, but word perfect. You can pick whatever translation you want. The, the ones that I've given you are the NIV. And so I'm memorizing it, thinking about each word, and I keep getting tripped up on the word let. The word let is a little bit problematic because it sounds so passive. Like, it's just going to happen. There's no action that is needed on my part. All that God needs is my permission. Fill me. And the word of Christ is going to come in and, and fill me. The doors open, let it happen, and it somehow magically happens. Well, it doesn't work that way, and I know because I've tried. There are times when I've slept with the pillow under my or the, the Bible under my pillow, thinking somehow it's going to like just get absorbed, and, and it doesn't. The word let is more like that song that we sometimes sing, let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. So we're thinking about let as, as there's something that it's calling for me to do. It's not passive, it's active. What are some of the things I can do? Read it, study it, meditate on it. Deuteronomy says, impress it on your children. Talk about it when you sit and when you go out along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write it on the doorframe of your house so it's the last thing you see when you leave and it's the first thing you see when you come home. Memorize it. Hide it deep in your heart so that you might not sin against God. <laughs> I was thinking about this example, and I, I hesitate to say it, but oh well. Uh, so when I go to Pizza Ranch, you know, you pay a certain amount of money, and then there's all this food. I always feel like I've got to go up 20 times to get my money's worth. You know, like gorge myself on pizza ranch to the point where I'm, I'm sick. It's kind of like that. You know, like, like fill yourself. Fill yourself to overflowing. 
be so filled with the word of Christ that if you get poked, if this world pokes you and it does, what comes out is God's word. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we um, were at Clara Eisen's funeral, Johnny's mom's funeral. And a, a number of family members got up to share their, their memories and reflections on who Clara uh, was. And one of the themes over and over by all of the family members was how filled Clara was with the word of God. Uh, here was a person that it was absolutely true. If Clara got poked, what would come out is the, is the word of God. Uh, the word of God dwelled in her richly. My wife, Karen, would say uh, at coffee break, when she used to go to coffee break, everybody wanted Clara in their group uh, because Clara was just so filled with the word of God and filled with, with such wisdom. So the scripture says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. To dwell is to take up residence. To dwell is to, to live. Let the word of Christ live in you richly. And so the question for us is this, does the word of God have a, a permanent room in the hotel of your heart and mind? Or is it a, more of a transient that sometimes comes in, checks in, and sometimes checks out? Let the word of Christ dwell, live, take up residence in your heart. Let it dwell richly. One of my uh, pastimes, other than fishing, I like to play chess on my phone. Karen plays Candy Crush at night. She'll be over there playing Candy Crush, and I'll be on my, my phone playing chess uh, I go on a website, it's called chessfriends.com, and so yesterday when I was preparing the sermon, I thought, I wonder how many games I've played. So I got on, and it keeps a record of all of your games and how many you've won and how many you've lost. Now, this is over the course of a couple years. I've played 1,459 games. There was my record when I checked, 695 wins, 696 losses, so you know what I did, Right? I had to play one more game to, to even that out, but I lost. <laughs> I've played a lot of chess in the last couple years. Chess dwells in me richly, and this is how I know that. There are times when I'm just sitting, like I could be in the pews right now with you sitting there, and without any effort, suddenly my mind is seeing a chessboard. And it's seeing pieces, and it's imagining combinations of moves. And I'm not trying to do that. It just does that. Our mind is an amazing instrument. What, where it dwells, it dwells. And it works on that. What dwells richly in you? For some of us, it might be a sport. Baseball is a huge one because there's all kinds of stats and all these things to remember. Baseball dwells in you richly. You know who won the World Series 20 years ago. You know the batting averages of your, the entire team that you like, the, the pitching record. Maybe it's fashion that lives in you richly. Maybe it's the, the stock market that lives in you richly. Maybe it's that show that you're binging on on Hulu or Netflix that lives in you richly. You talk about it when you sit and when you rise, when you go out and you come back. 
Maybe it's something that's not so wholesome. Maybe it's pornography that lives in you richly. One of the the dangerous things about pornography specifically is that those images that we set our eyes on, they don't just dissolve, they don't just check out when we look away. They get the key and they move in and they live there. So Paul begins the third chapter ahead of this verse. He begins the third chapter of this letter with these instructions. He says, you've been raised with Christ. And since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, so set your heart, now set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So how do we do that practically? How do we set our heart and our mind on things above? Well, one of the ways, a great way, is by memorizing God's word. And that has the added benefit that not only are we setting our heart and mind on things above, but that's also a way to put to death the deeds of the body. This practice of abiding in the word of Christ so that the word of Christ might abide in us isn't just for us. It says, as you teach and admonish one another, it's actually, there's a benefit for one another. As I grow in the word, it helps me help you. It helps Clara help others. It helps all of us guide one another as we're filled with the wisdom of Christ, not filled with the philosophy of the day, not filled with what everybody is, is, is thinking, what's, what's the, the fad, what's, what's the popular in the culture, but filled with the wisdom of God. Teach and admonish one another. Uh, as many of you know, uh, this past week I was at a, a general synod for our denomination once a year. Uh, leaders in the RCA, Reformed Church of America, get together and and we learn what's going on in the denomination, and we do some strategic planning and uh, determining the vision for the denomination. Well, the president uh, was a man named EJ, and just a godly man, a man that I, I respect tremendously. And as the president, he had the opportunity to, to preach a couple different times and, and was constantly, you know, just kind of guiding us through the week. I made the mistake of coming home from the conference, getting on Facebook, and reading the reflection of several uh, people who went to the synod, uh, and they were very critical uh, of Pastor EJ, very critical of his leadership. One of them called him divisive and graceless. Wow. Divisive and graceless. And in my estimation, he didn't say anything that wasn't straight out of the Bible, Neither did he say it in a, in a way that was not gracious. My, my takeaway is that there are some pastors who don't like to be taught and admonished. The scripture teaches us and it admonishes us. I actually thought, you know, if the Apostle Paul was the moderator of the Reformed Church in America, I think a lot of people would have said he was really divisive today. He was really graceless. We're going to talk about this more next week when we look at the, the passage from Timothy, but one of the things that the word of Christ does is it corrects us. It corrects us. It is a, 
a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path that says, this is the way, walk in it. That's not the way. Don't walk in that. Stay to the path. It seems odd that the passage talking about the word of Christ would then move to music. Uh, Sing uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And as I was thinking about that, it actually struck me it's not so odd. You see, advertising agencies, marketing agencies, they all know that if you put a little jingle, you put a little melody with a message, everybody remembers the message. There is power in music. That's why the church, ever since it came into existence, one of the things the church does is sing. We sing our faith. We sing what we believe. We sing the words of Christ. Nate uh, once told me, he said, you know, nobody leaves church humming the sermon. I was like, you big jerk. (laughs) (laughs) But he's right. Like later today, you're probably not going to be humming the sermon, but you might be singing 10,000 Reasons. And you won't even try. You're just going to find yourself walking through house singing 10,000 Reasons or the song we're going to close with today, More About Jesus. There's something about that melody that, that is another way that we can plant God's word deep in our heart. Uh, as I c- close today, I want to turn to a conversation that Jesus had with a couple religious leaders. Uh, this is, comes from John chapter 5, verse 37. Jesus said this, The Father who has sent me testifies concerning me, And then he turns to them, he says, You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you. That's interesting. He's talking to religious leaders, and he says, His word doesn't dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently, because you think in them you have eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that testify, testify about me, and yet you refuse to come to know me to have life. That is fascinating to me. Jesus looks at these people who study the scriptures diligently. In fact, they've got it memorized. These are, are many of them are Pharisees. They've got the Torah. They've got the first five books of the Bible memorized. Can you imagine that? You study the scripture diligently, but the word doesn't dwell in you. What a warning to us. What I'm inviting us to do the next five weeks is not just to add five verses to our, our you know, catalog of verses. Jesus says that the verses testify about me. We are not after more information. We've got enough information. We're not after more information. We're after more Jesus. The word of God testifies about Jesus. The goal of memorizing scripture is to have a richer relationship with Jesus. Join me as we pray. Father God, uh, we commit uh, these five weeks to you, and as uh, many of us are going to be spending lots of time throughout our week um, thinking about your word, thinking about Colossians 3.16, uh, Lord, we pray that you would do what you've committed to doing, uh, where you say that your word divides, it, it gets in there, it's living and active, and Lord, we, we ask you to penetrate our heart 
transform us, lead us into a richer relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.